0: Welcome back to another episode of War Dice. I know that we've been gone a long time, but we are back. We didn't forget about you. I'm Gonzo. And I'm John from War Budgies. And we have been super, super busy since Warfare Weekend. Um, (laughs) Things have kind of exploded, not only for us and the convention and everything that's been going on, but... Uh, I've been helping out Privateer Press with a bunch of stuff. Uh, I've been working with Privateer Press on a bunch of projects and getting things going. And of course, my good friend John is just—you know—he is awesome. And um,
1: I'm very, very proud and very, very excited for your next steps with uh, Privateer Press. Thank you. It has been a—it's been very, very exciting in a frantic, hectic sort of way, which is, you know, how we like it. Yeah, I mean. It, Something we need to preface
0: that um, you are working on a lot of projects that, you know, have to be kept secret, so on and so forth. Um, And so there will be times when we cannot talk about things or you cannot talk about certain things, um, which we will try to keep, you know, everything cool because we like what you're doing. And uh, it's been pretty awesome to see and hear that. I'm like super
1: excited for you. I'm excited, too. I'll, I'll try to. If I have to say something clever, I'll wink at the microphone.
0: Okay, just wink at, at the microphone.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, uh, John is going to be working on a lot of stuff for Warcaster. And, um, whenever he was doing stuff with War Budgies, I was watching him and getting his stuff up and going. I was like, this guy's got some, got some shit going. He's, he knows what he's talking about. He likes to have a good time. He likes to write stuff. He likes to do things for the community. And, uh, when Privateer Press started taking notice, I I, I also nudged them too. I'm like, you got to listen to this guy. This guy knows what he's (laughs) doing. And, you know, introducing and saying, hey, contact John. John Jack John. Talk to this guy. And I'm glad that you're getting to do more stuff. I mean, they one thing Privateer Press has always been is they always like uh, community people. Um, They like the community. They like uh, hanging out with the people that, you know, make their game fun. And you... 100% did it, and you are now reaping the rewards of your
1: hard work. Yep. So for those of you that haven't heard, uh, Matt Wilson actually filled us in not too long ago on a Primecast. But the big topics we're working on for Warcaster is we've got organized plays coming this year, which we're writing. uh, Some league play for for the stores, what that is. And then we're also moving forward on the two armies that have been teased so far we've seen a lot of concept art for the lost legion and mystery army number six is coming as well so a lot it there's a lot coming down the line for warcaster it's a really exciting time to be part of this game
0: oh yeah 100 i mean I, I know people are kind of worried with you know because mark IV has kind of taken over their little you know their airwaves a bit but there's still <laughs> plenty of stuff Playing for Warcaster. Um when I spoke to Matt Wilson about it, uh I told him that while I do love my war machine, I really, really love Warcaster. Um I think it's one of their best rule sets they've ever written and I think it's one of the mm-hmm. best games and it's so quick and easy. Um and of course it's sci fi and who doesn't like, you know, sci fi? Yep. Type thing. So for today's episode, we are going to do a little bit different. We know we were going to talk about scenarios, but we're going to talk about some other stuff. Um, And on this episode, we're going to talk about narrative events and go over two scenarios that are in the book that you possibly can see at a convention or a tournament and kind of give the ins and outs. Um, And since, you know, I'm more the competitive scene, um, Mm -hmm. I it's not that I don't like narratives. I love narrative games. I just always, when I look at a narrative game, I go, oh, this can be broken really quickly. <laughs> so please fix this because I know what you want to do. So please, you know, fix this so it is workable and, and gets what you want into it. Now, John, you're the narrative guy.
1: Mm-hmm. It, the tables are yours, man. Go for it. Yeah. So I, I can ramble about narrative stuff all day long, but we've only got about an hour for the show. narrative is one of those things it's really near to my heart because it was how i was introduced to the hobby about 20 years ago and it was just this whole idea of not looking at the game as a game of numbers against numbers but looking at it as this is the setting for a story and it's always been how i've approached the game so what part of what that is is it means i i'm not as familiar with all of the the balance in the statistics and how things work together as, say, you are Gonzo. like mm-hmm. You know that stuff a lot better because you think about that stuff. Uh, I, if you watch Jericho Reach, you already know I don't actually think about what I do. I just do it. <laughs> but that's kind of how the narrative thing goes. It's, just, it's about telling a story. And when you're making that, you're trying to translate that into an event or a scenario or a battle report or whatever. There's, just, there's a few things you want to think about in terms of how you present it. You know, so the biggest thing that I like to tell people who ask me, like, how do you start doing a narrative campaign? You got to start with the feel of it. So what is the story you're trying to tell? How do you want the players to feel when they're playing it? Do you want it to be like a claustrophobic, like frantic knife fight? Do you want to be like fighting over like a King of the Hill thing or a last stand and all that? You got to figure out what is the story that you're trying to tell? With the scenario, and that is probably the hardest part of the whole process. Is just, what kind of story do I have? How is that going to translate into the tabletop?
0: Yeah, I mean, when we say narrative and stuff, we're not talking that this is any less important or any less fun or any less competitive as a competitive scenario. This is just not your standard, and you don't know what to. You're coming in almost kind of blind. Yeah, type thing, and so coming from a background of competitive play you know that you you're going to be you know exactly what your scenario is going to be there's no randomness there's no if ands or buts it's here's step A to step B and that's it with mm. narratives there's always you know some weird type of mechanic or weird type of rules or you have different setups like you know I'm kind of, I, the defender setting up on the right-hand side instead of across from each other or uh I am limited by how many points I'm allowed to take based on whatever army I'm playing or you know or attacker defender type thing um and there's some good randomness to it um but one of the things I think is always good about um narrative scenarios and such is Roll each round to see what happens and how screwed you're going to be. <laughs> AKA, you're playing in a snowstorm and you roll a d6 on five and six. All your line of sight is reduced to eight inches, which right. you know screws a player over. If you if you're in the mindset that I'm here to win this game,
1: yeah, it's not necessarily balanced. It- is willing to sacrifice some balance to put little fun element into into the game. Correct, which is, is is good. There's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of people, you
0: know, we we think about when we go to a convention or we go to things that it's all about the winning. And really, even though we all love to win, don't get don't get me wrong. <laughs> we always remember that one good story or that one cool thing that happened, and it's usually as never, you know, I planned out this move seven seven turns or seven activations ahead and i had a point zero two percent chance to win and i got it off <laughs> what people remember is i drug this model off of a four-story building and he fell flat and died but my opponent was able to slip in the back due to teleportations and then smash the crap out of me you know it's yeah. stuff like that that people really remember
1: yeah and it's one of those things i find it works incredibly well for demo games because a new player who doesn't understand all the – doesn't necessarily understand all the intricacies of how the, the rules and models interact, they can walk away remembering that they had a fight on a bridge and, like, threw the enemy warjack off or harpooned someone from a tower and all that. that, that That's easy to understand because it's in this inherently, like, cinematic kind of storytelling.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it, it's it fun. There's a, Adepticon. One of my favorite memories was an individual had a warjack on this um, – I think it was like uh, over a foot tall structure, and I uh, used a card to yank him off. Um, <laughs> and we had to ask um, the TO how this worked. Is like, do you yank him off, and then he falls down? Does it, you know, does he move the distance and then fall, or does he fall immediately and then gets yanked the distance? And you know, that was just you know, a question. But I remember the player looking up at me and going, "God damn it!" <laughs> I'm like, "Well." That's kind of the cool part of this game is, you know, I'm going to yank you off. You're going to take damage. Yeah. Where you land is a whole different story.
1: And things and, like that, like, it's just it's just doing fun stuff and not worrying about the game.
0: No. Yeah, I mean, when we all originally started, we all started because, hey, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. And we evolve on, you know, the the game and we go, oh, there's more tournaments being played. And, you know, I think... Warcaster does a lot of cool scenarios that are more narrative in nature um, than your typical steamroller packet, which is cool. And I think that's really what makes Warcaster uh, a dynamic game is because, yes, you have all these scenarios, but you're not planning this army. This list can only attack this scenario objective type thing. And so with narrative ones with Warcaster, it works out great. Yeah, I think that's a great word to use, dynamic. Yeah. Um, And, you know, sure, there's a little bit of story, but there's still mechanics that have to work. One of the things about some scenarios, and you and I have talked about this, is this sounds really cool, but I can break this in 1A. And you (laughs) don't want that to happen. You don't want someone to be able to break the entire scenario and players not be able to play the game.
1: Yeah. It's a tough balance to hit, too, because on the one hand, you want to allow a whole lot of agency and freedom for people to essentially almost RP or role play out how their army would act. But you don't want to cripple someone and make them lose the game based on just how the scenario was written. Correct. And that's
0: that's like the the very delicate balance of writing a, you know, more narrative scenario than anything Mm -hmm. else, because even though you go into it going, hey, I'm going to play this cool story. You're always going to have somebody or a group of people that are like, oh, this scenario is broken. I broke it in 1A, and then they move on. Yeah. While it is true that they can do that, and possibly that's what's going to happen, that's not the intention of the scenario. Right. The intention of the scenario is to play a game over so many rounds, and your actions dictate who wins the scenario.
1: And maybe have a good time while you're doing it and stuff. What? You know? have a good time what
0: the hell okay i guess
1: that that brings me to one of my favorite topics when it comes to narrative stuff is asymmetric objectives they are i think the most fun part about narrative campaigns and they are the hardest freaking thing to balance yeah because if it and warcaster a lot of the basic scenarios and war machine as well is very much of okay here's Here's the points of the map. Here's two sides are mostly even. The starting even sides are trying to do the same thing. And those are easy to balance because they're symmetric. Everyone's doing the same thing. If you want to flip it around, if you want one one army to be sabotaging a ship while the other army is trying to work on a console and all that, it gets really weird really fast because it can be easier. And it's almost undoubtedly easier to do one objective than the other one. Correct. And that's where things get tricky.
0: Yeah, and that, that's that's one of the hard balancing because if player A can, all they have to do is a couple of things. What's player B going to be doing? Are they just killing your models, or are yeah. they stopping? Are they counterintuiting, you know, to what player A is doing? Like they're resetting the alarms, or turning off stuff, or turning on things. That way, it's just not player A. I got a fast unit, sit here, do something, tick, 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 and just wait, while player yeah. B is just like, I shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot.
1: <laughs> yeah, on the other hand, if player A has a task as part of the scenario, player B has their task in the scenario, what's the incentive for them to fight each other? Like, Correct. Like, is this a battle now?
0: Yeah, and, th- and that's the thing is, you don't want a scenario where all you're doing is player A and player B does something, because they're, they're going to ignore each other. Yeah. For the most part. And you don't want players just ignoring each other just to get the objective done. You want them to fight it out, um, throw spells, do whatever to stop each player from doing stuff. And that's like the really delicate balance in it's that. It's tough, yeah. Um, I know that like there was one scenario that I was playing at Adepticon. Pretty much it was grab the bad guys, run away with the bad. Gra- grab the civilians and run away with the civilians back into another one in another zone and you had to control the zone. So of course I stuck one model over there and then used my vehicle to run everything back and forth. And it was like, my opponent just couldn't stop me. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You can't, um, I'm faster, quicker, and I can move back and forth, especially with my cards, you know, taking off activation tokens and just flipping and I'm moving this model I'm picking up, and then the next term I'm in my deployment zone, and I've already got another unit there ready to pick someone up. So I'm just doing a train, and he's like, "I just can't catch you because you're so fast." I'm like, "Yeah," and I go, and, and I talk to uh, the TO, and I was like, "This is not a good scenario for what you're trying to do here." Yeah, and and, and and that's the thing that people need to understand: there is nothing wrong with going to a TO or going to a developer or to anybody and say, "Hey." this is a problem we're seeing with the scenario. I know what you're trying to do, but Mm -hmm. it's not working. Yeah. Live feedback is the best. Yeah. And and let's, let's put it right. Good constructive feedback is better than this scenario sucks. Fuck you. (laughs) Come on guys. We're adults. Oh, most of us are, you know, but if you want to see the change, as I say, be the change. Give good feedback, saying this is the reason why I think this scenario is not good for X, Y, Z, and this is the reason. Why... Here's something I would change, mm-hmm. and it has to be something that's changed for the betterment of the system and the scenario, not for the betterment of your army. Yeah,
1: and I'll, I'm going to tell you the, the worst feedback I can get when it comes to a narrative scenario is when the player saying like I didn't have fun with this. I, I'm I'm completely okay if someone's like, Hey, man. I got my butt beat. I got completely smashed here and I I lost horribly, but I had an amazing time. And I've I've had some of those scenarios. I actually built some of those scenarios. And it's it's really rewarding when someone says, hey, this would have been a complete feels bad, but I loved how things went. I loved the scenario and the setup and I had fun. Yeah. But if someone comes to me and they're like, hey, I played this narrative scenario and it wasn't fun, then that defeats the whole point. Correct.
0: Because even if you're supposed to be playing a game, you're supposed to be having fun while you play the game. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of games that I've done where I've lost, but I had a blast because it was fun to play. Absolutely. But going in a narrative scenario and I walk in and my opponent stops me from doing anything before I even get to roll dice is not it's what It kind of feels bad. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and like I says, give constructive criticisms on things that you see. And there's a lot of things that happen behind the scene that nobody sees that you can just go, oh, okay, they're working on this. Oh, thanks for this information. We will add it to our next topic meeting discussion, blah, 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 and maybe it'll get changed. Yeah. And I'm sure, like I said, you message Jonathan on anything, he'll be like, okay, but if you send him explicit fuck you, you suck, he's just going to file 13 that shit. (laughs) (laughs) I would. I wouldn't care. If if someone were cussing me out, I would just like, don't care what you say.
1: (laughs) It basically, what it turns into at my end is it turns into a tick in an Excel document where it just says player did not enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I can get out of that, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, more of the story there, narrative scenarios, very, very fun, very tricky to balance because, yeah, there's just so much to take into account while also still trying to tell something that's not just a little symmetric, fair, you know, fairly balanced scenario. But you're, you're inherently imbalancing it. Correct. And you're just trying to do that in a fun way. And that's really tricky. It's really rewarding, but it's very tricky. Especially when you're at a, you're, you're the person at the
0: disadvantage and you still pull off the win. It is so rewarding. You're like, hell oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you are the 300 or whatever. And yeah. You get to fight them off. Oh,
0: uh, it's good. It, it, it is very tricky. And a lot of people you know, understand that. And there's, you could, a tournament, that's, a, that's the reason why I think Warcaster as a tournament scene I would say most of the scenarios are a narrative feel and a narrative play with a little bit of twist in it. Yeah. Um, and I enjoy that because it's, you don't know what you're going to do. You just have to build the best army you can to handle every scenario you can in every situation. Mm. -hmm. Even if you table your opponent. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we're going to talk about a few scenarios uh, that are coming up, but before we do, um, convention-wise, um, I know that yes. you've got a lot going on, and you're like super uber rich, you know, powerful, crazy influencer. Now, uh,
1: are you hitting anything this year, John? I don't actually know. So for those of you who have been following the channel, I'm in my la- I'm actually in my last six weeks in the military, which I'm very excited about. Ooh-hoo. After which, we, uh, my wife and I are moving to Alaska, which is going to be most of our year. So if I do make conventions, it's probably just going to be Warfare Weekend this year. Woohoo! Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know I always love um, when you come to Warfare hope, Weekend. Hoping to get back on the convention
0: circuit next year. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely, so I won't be hitting Gen Con this year. I'm definitely hitting Adepticon, which is mm-hmm. coming up in uh, about two months, give or take um i w- will be checking in on the warcaster stuff i know they got a couple of things going on uh, not only the warcaster tournaments they've got a narrative thing going on and they got the vehicle combat racing i can't remember what uh travis called it but you yes. um, you make a vehicle and a certain amount of arc of troops and you try to get your vehicle from point a to point b um it's kind of like a racing but it's not a racing Best way to describe it, in my opinion, would be pod racing with Tuscan Raiders trying to kill you along the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Yeah,
0: uh, it looks like a little fun. I may participate in that. I won't be participating in the tournaments because I've been asked to uh, come and play some of the narrative War Machine events, and I'm going to be taking my Orgoth to that.
1: So I was like, mm, I think I'm going to go do that. So. There's also, if I remember right, there was a Warcaster narrative advertised there. Something about, like, a train robbery or something.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's like a grab train something. So there's going to be a narrative event,
1: yeah.
0: a, your standard Warcaster tournament, and then the the pod racing. We're going to nickname it pod racing. Sorry, Travis. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's copyrighted. We're fine. No. Um, and then um, I'm definitely going to go to Adepticon. It's always my favorite one to go to. Uh, of course, Warfare Weekend. Um, mm mm-hmm. I, if I didn't show up for that, uh, you know, I'd probably get beat up. It'd be weird. It'd yeah. be weird. Um, and we'll definitely have some stuff at Warcaster for there. Um, you know, some narrative events and some open tables and et cetera, like everybody's used to. Um, but that's all the conventions I, I'm i going to go to that have Warcaster. I won't be going to Gen Con. It's just too expensive and too many people. <laughs> I want to go one of these years. I've never actually been to Gen Con. I, I went once, and it was back when teachers were allowed to go into the convention, uh, go into the the vendor hall early. And early. We, we were allowed an hour early before everybody else because we were teachers. And I went in there, and that was the one and only time. But, I mean, it is so packed and so crazy and so expensive. I mean, you have to pay for parking. And it's like – you know, by the time you're done, it's probably like $300 in parking minimum (laughs) and, you know, splitting up with your friends. So it gets really expensive, but, um, hopefully we'll start seeing some more stuff. Um, not sure when models are coming out, but I'm sure we'll see, see more and more as time goes on. Yeah. So, um, with that said, let's talk about a couple of scenarios. Uh, you have picked two scenarios uh, yes. Because you are the man And what's our first scenario that we're going to talk about
1: So I picked two scenarios that I like to use Specifically for narrative stuff Because they are weird mm-hmm. And when you play narrative And you're not as worried about The specific balance of the scenario It gives you freedom to do weird weird stuff So on the skirmish front We got one skirmish one primary The skirmish front is a scenario called Unconventional warfare It's the sixth scenario in the Thousand World book. And essentially, the way this thing works, there's one objective in the center of the board, Mm -hmm. and then there's four objectives, each on a corner of the board. Yep. And if you control one of these corner objectives, then at the end of your turn, you can just take one of your units and teleport them to the opposite corner. Yep. And this, (laughs) this is a monstrous scenario for a very specific reason, because when we play Warcaster... And one of the things I love about Warcaster is Warcaster is not a game of attrition. No. Because everything comes back. Everything comes back except for characters and character vehicles. Yeah. So what it's really about is it's about board control. Mm-hmm. Like where can I exert my influence and in all this? And this mission takes that whole idea of like, okay, understanding of where you control on the board and just completely scrambles it up. Because all of a sudden I can go from one corner of the board to the other one my opponent can come right back through that same gate and end up in my business. So it's just, it's a really, using that word we used earlier, dynamic. It's an incredibly dynamic scenario that screws with the way that you look at the board in terms of who controls it.
0: So from my understanding, you know, I've got the scenario here looking at it. Um, if I control one corner, I can teleport to the other, con- other corner. Do I have to control
1: the opposite corner? Nope. And that's my favorite part. You can just show up right, up right up in their business and contest that objective as soon as you arrive. So whenever I'm there
0: and, say, my opponent has a, has a unit and a model on the other end,
1: can they block off teleportation? They can't, like, turn it off, no. Uh, if they, like, surround it, you could feasibly like just sort of, like, body block the whole thing. Correct. But no. Now, uh, once you appear, you don't miraculously, miraculously hold that, scenario, that objective you now have to fight for it, but it's a way to teleport your units across to the opposite corner. And what that means is once you control two of the gates that are linked together, you have this amazing little express train hyperloop to cross (laughs) your stuff from one end of the board to the other. Just stupid fast. If you can control the opposing corners. So coming from a background of tournament play,
0: if I were to stop you from teleporting in, I would have to surround it and surround it pretty well. Yeah, you probably need maybe two squads. Okay. Yeah, because one wouldn't do it because you could just go to the other side of it. Because yeah. it says that when you teleport, you have to be teleporting, I think it's what, two inches of that, and then everybody teleports two inches from that model. Yeah. So you would have to block off. You would have to surround the entire thing, which would mean you're committing a bunch of stuff to that one objective. To one objective, yeah. Which then leads the middle objective open. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, because even though you can teleport and you can move, that middle objective is still a scoring point. Yep. Now I do be... like it cause there is like this surprise I'm here.
1: <laughs> yeah. actually, I used this scenario, uh, in both of the Jericho reach seasons, the, the, the finale of season one and season two was both this scenario. Cause mm-hmm. I, I just love it that much.
0: Yeah. Cause I mean you could have some really good fun with this because does is it only squads that can be teleported or anything it's unit so it's it's everything it's everything so teleporting anything around the battlefield is really really powerful as we've seen with positioning gates and putting things up and you know moving things around so um this scenario is pretty straightforward there's mm-hmm. nothing you know crazy about it it's just remember, if you control one corner, you can teleport to the opposite corner. Yeah. Cool thing is, when you do this, you could actually set up a unit to go. Oh, you teleported in here. Eat lead.
1: Yes. <laughs> you you can make it a complete trap on the other end of the thing. Correct. But, what I've also done is summoned a uh, a morning star and through through the gate on the uh. Teleporter. Yeah. Well teleport objective things immediately because it doesn't take an action so you can throw something like that through to the other other corner and then activate on your next turn
0: yeah so i mean and that's the thing is there there is an offensive and a defensive to this you've got to watch your corners Mm -hmm. um and you know with line of sight being 360 in this game it's a lot easier you don't have to face or anything but you've got to be careful because if you teleport in and You've got, you know, a unit of heavy hitters. They're going to blow away whatever comes through there. Absolutely. So you got to be careful, like, oh, I can teleport, but I'm going to eat hot laser when I come through the other side. <laughs> so do you really want to waste it? But you might because you're forcing your opponent to shoot that direction
1: instead of shooting the center scenario. Yeah. Or so going it, for it's the one center, of those center. Things where It takes a relatively simple... Concept and put and presents in a really interesting way, yeah. Um, so being a skirmish mission, how many r- remind
0: people how many models or arc are we talking about? Uh, you're
1: gonna skirmish? call me out after I've been after providing yeah. scenarios for two months, yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe it is eight one as okay. a minimum up to eleven two Okay, so I mean, you don't can... quote me on that because I don't actually know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: where <laughs> you're off the air, you are be like, God damn it, Gonzo. <laughs> but, I mean, here's the thing. You you have to play tactical because you have to protect your rear or protect your corners, but mm-hmm. also try to score the points because scoring is done uh, at the end of the pulse rounds and one for scoring any objective, uh, the first pulse round, and then two objective in the second pulse round, and then three, so on and so forth, and third and fourth, et cetera. I think what would make this even a really better scenario is that the center objective scored one more additional yes you know, what i've mostly found is we tend to ignore the middle objective correct i can see that happening i would like i don't care but if you were to add the center objective scores you one more mm-hmm. then that would be it would kind of force and push people to go oh crap my opponent's going for the center i can't let him have the center because the center gives them two While i will only get one from the corners
1: yeah I will say though, if you park a warjack on the center objective, so far from my experience, he typically gets left alone because everyone's fighting over the corner objectives and nobody wants to devote that much firepower. Correct. But like I said, if you if you
0: raised it by one point, mm-hmm. then you would have warjacks going. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna scramble.
1: Yeah. Okay, your war dice house rule of the day, <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is okay, but see that that's the thing. That's something that could be a good feedback. That's a perfect way to describe the feedback because yeah. if you're looking at a scenario and you're playing it and one of the objectives is completely ignored, that's something that needs to be brought up. Yep. And if you, and this center scenario is completely ignored, why is it there? Right. So. But if you put it like it scores one additional, Okay. Now we're fighting the entire board, not just the corners mm. type thing. So that's something that, you know, look at. So you can add that to your your, your packet. Write that note down, send it in <laughs> <laughs> type stuff. Um, so that was the one. And th- that's a very simple, straightforward scenario. There's not a lot of
1: setup. There's not a lot of rules. It's just there it is. It just it takes a key, like a a core concept of the game, and tweaks it just a little bit, and you get this whole cool scenario out of it. Yeah. Uh, So our second one is, second one is cascading failure. This is the second primary mission in the Thousand Worlds sourcebook, which I will completely plug here for a second because this book is amazing. Oh, uh, so I understand why people can't do books very often,
0: just because the cost of paper and everything being printed, but Mm -hmm. this is one of the best books they've
1: ever made. Oh, oh, yeah, hands down. The
0: Thousand World book is amazing. So if you haven't gotten one, make sure you go pick one up.
1: Yes. So it's got the uh, the primary mission, Cascading Failure in here. This is one of those, very much like the scenario we just talked about. If you look at it, it looks very, very simple until it's not. But it's, it's doing that in a really, really fun way. So there's essentially a ring of six objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, squads only, I believe, for securing them. Yes, only squads can uh, secure the objectives. Every time you score one of them, you roll an action dice. And there's two tables of all the things that could possibly go wrong because you just ran up and put your foot on an alien artifact.
0: Which is, this is one that you wouldn't want to see in a tournament setting because you know that this is all random bullshit that's gonna happen. Yeah. But it's a very fun scenario.
1: This is like the If I had to pick one scenario in the whole book to explain what we're talking about when we talk about narrative stuff being fun but not necessarily balanced, this is what I'm talking about. Correct. So you've got a minor – essentially, you roll an action dice. So there's a one in three chance that you'll get one strike, and that gives you minor destruction table. So it's everything from you wipe off arc from a unit. The unit catches fire. uh, There's an earthquake and stuff gets a lockdown effect. Just really cool stuff. You roll a super strike, you get the catastrophic failure table, and I'm a big fan of anything that involves the word catastrophic. <laughs> yeah. And this is things like you increase the deployment cost of all units by one for the rest of this pulse round as the, the void is just rippled and torn and messed with, all the way down to rift. So your opponent can immediately place a void gate up to three arc anywhere within five inches of that objective. Like the void just tears open and your opponent's like, oh, well, I'll just throw some guys here. Yeah.
0: I mean, the one thing about this is even though you're having the destruction and people die or whatever, Warcaster lends to this because I don't care if a unit dies, I'm going to bring it back. Mm -hmm. It's an inconvenience, not a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike in War Machine, if your unit's dead, they're just gone. Here, you're like, okay, I'll kill them on purpose so I can bring them back to full.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Have done that, Yes.
0: Yes. Um, so I wanted to talk about, so the miter destruction table, they're, they're inconveniences, nothing too bad, nothing too hard, but the catastrophic one, there's some really cool and fun things. Um, you're, you know, destroying the uh, permanent objective from the table. Okay, crap. Now I've got to go somewhere else. So you're definitely moving. Um, increasing the deployment cost of all units by one for the rest of the pulse round. Holy crap. Yeah. And then you put like a model next to it that also increases it by one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're that's 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 crazy. Uh, you're you not know.
1: summoning crap this turn. No.
0: Oh, this one unit now costs two, potentially three. You know, it's pretty powerful. Um, and also, I think this uh, chronomorphic warp remove this activation tokens one. from all units within two inches of it. Um, that was just scored place activation tokens on all units within two inches of the alien node permanently joker that was just scored but did not previously have activation tokens so it's like hey i'm free to do stuff now i'm not (laughs) or your other (laughs) models are not
1: yeah it's like everybody who has gone gets to go again everyone who hasn't gone yet is suddenly locked down it's just it's you know it's, it's messing with the key concept of the game in just a really fun sort of tweak way yeah uh the eruption one roll to see if you guys die
0: that's yeah. pretty much, if you have a single wound infantry type thing, yeah, you're just rolling to see if they die. Um, And then Hand of Entropy. Immediately make rolls to resolve all continuous effects on models within five inches. Um, okay, that's kind of cool.
1: That one can be either helpful or dirty, depending on if you have a system failure or if you're on fire.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Um, And then, of course, we talked about you know Rift, where you get to place a gate and three arc on it. Okay, now here's my question. Does that three arc come from my pool, or is it
1: free three arc? Oh, it would have to come from your pool, because otherwise that would get into the economy stuff.
0: Yeah, which it would be be breaking the rule if it was free three arc.
1: Yeah. And that's one thing, spoiler alert, that you will see in scenarios that I write a lot is messing around with arc is really, really fun. Because it's this universal buff, debuff resource for everybody. It's fun to mess with it. <laughs> and see, this
0: is a scenario that I was saying that you don't know what the hell's going to happen. You're like, all right, we've done everything. We're sitting. Cross your fingers we don't all die. <laughs> because it's not only you, it's everybody else. Because you have to score the objectives whether you like it or not. Or you're just you know letting your opponent walk away with the game. Mm-hmm.
1: But if you're going to be scoring, you've got to roll on this table. Yep. At the end of the day, like we are playing a dice game. We don't want certainty. We want just the right amount of uncertainty.
0: Yeah, because I will tell you right now that if I'm playing and you know one of my units gets completely wiped out, okay, say levy, no big deal. I can bring them out next round. But if I get to put out a free gate with three arc, I'm like, oh crap. Mm-hmm. One, I've got to have the arc available. Two, if I get to do it that changes up the battlefield because that's a whole nother unit. I get out essentially for free intents and purposes.
1: Yeah. Um, that can change the direction of the game with a dice roll right there. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Um, scoring victory conditions, you know, the most at, after, you know, most points wins the game at the end of the round. Um, I think this scenario, while it's really cool and really fun, I, I personally would play a lot of troops into this. Oh, Uh, absolutely. Because vehicles, you know, going through and hitting and, you know, whatever are not, they can't score. So the vehicle Mm. is just doing nothing but destructions. But the squads, I would play my squads. I would play my AC in this in a heartbeat.
1: Oh, yeah. I I would do ISA and just spam paladins.
0: Yeah. And just throw them out there.
1: And it would be awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, And this is another thing that I like about, Warcaster is you're building a list that can take on everything, and this is a mission. While a lot of our missions say only squads or you know, only certain things can do certain stuff in this, this is what you have to be prepared for. You have to Mm -hmm. be prepared that you're mostly taking squads or putting squads on the board. Sure, you're probably going to put you know, one jack or a vehicle to help destroy things, but if you want to win this. You've got six objectives. You're going to need squads like crazy.
1: Yeah. And it's cool because it encourages you to get out there and trigger those rolls and start rolling the dice and see what happens. It encourages chaos.
0: Yeah. And you have to. I mean, like I said, sure you want to win, but if you sit back and let your opponent just grab all of these,
1: it's game over
0: for you. You have to trigger the randomness.
1: Yeah. I want that t-shirt now. I encourage chaos. <laughs>
0: with the new new War Buddies tagline. Yeah. <laughs> we encourage chaos.
1: <laughs> Everybody watch the War Buddies merch store, we're making new shirts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I mean this this is another scenario, like I said, that a lot of tournament style players would frown down upon because there's no guarantee. Yeah. And I think this is a great scenario because sure there's no guarantee, but Warcaster is very um, forgiving when a, you know things like stuff like this dies because the recursion me- mechanic of it, mm-hmm. which makes the game very unique. You're like, I don't care if you kill that unit off. Please kill that unit off so I can bring something else in, or I can reposition <laughs> that entire unit somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so this right here, I think would be a whole lot of fun, um, even in a tournament type setting, because you're like. Because you set this down and they tell you some other instant you're going, mother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're okay with it because of the mechanics of the game.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those certainly like if I sit down with my buddies and they're like, hey, let's just play a casual game and have some fun. This is the kind of scenario that I will reach for immediately.
0: Oh yeah, if if it's if we're having. You know, we get together and we're just playing games and drinking and having pizza and, you know, a social game environment. 100% I would rather play this than play, you know, like a steamroller scenario. Yeah, 100%. Uh, uh, this would be something I would 100% get, like want to play because we're not on the clock. We're just drinking beer and, you know, eating pizza. And we're we're just taking things casually. We're sitting around having fun. We're making stupid sound effects, even though I make them when I'm playing in the steamroller. Um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the best time to make them. Are you kidding me?
0: <laughs> I, I had an opponent get upset with me when I uh, I was marching around and I was, you know, making shooting noises and oh, I missed and stuff, and he gave me a dirty look. I'm like, dude, I'm a 50 year old man pushing little plastic miniatures across the board like a I- boss. I'm gonna have fun with this, whether you like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll make stupid stuff and everything. But, I mean, this, this is like a scenario that definitely very much is like play at the game store. Hey, guys, let's get together and play at the game store and let's show this off. And I 100% encourage everybody to get out of the basements, go play at a game store. Yeah. Go show the game off at a game store. I'm always, always uh, going to tell people to go play at the game store and do it during peak hours when everybody can see it, because this is how you build your meta. Yeah, it and, is a
1: visually gorgeous game. Oh, yeah.
0: Um, with all the terrain and everything being set up and the models, 100% I'd suggest going, because I will tell you right now, there are many a times that I have been to a game store and I hear people having fun and making stupid noises, and whatever, and I'll go over there and go, what the hell are y'all playing? Yeah, <laughs> you know, what's so fun um, and stuff. So especially when you're like, ah, oh, crap. And, you know, you're having a good time. Um, so this one would be very, very good to put on the table at a game store mm-hmm. type thing. Um, What else we got through those? I mean, so uh, before we go any further, we are going to be having more podcasts. Um, we, we're trying to balance our work, life, and fun, um, type stuff because we also have jobs outside of everything else we do. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah. If you know, gotta pay, gotta, gotta have the the money to pay for the models. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we're going to be talking about is setting up for convention stuff, um, and running things at a convention. Jonathan got a crash course in that last year. Yeah. Uh, and I've been doing it for, you know, a while. Uh, Although mine is more background and behind the scenes stuff, but I have run quite a few tournaments um, and quite a few things as, you know, like steamrollers and smaller events. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're definitely going to be doing it. We're definitely going to go over more missions. Uh, We're going to try to do like two missions per podcast Um, and Jonathan gets to pick them and I get to look at them. Uh, Eventually we will go over like race mode um, and other things. Uh, to play because I think race mode is still something that people don't play a lot or have played, but it is a cool concept. Um, When things come out, we will definitely do reviews of things when they come out, but only after they come out. Um, And we will definitely talk about it. Um, Guys. Also, if uh, you're wanting more information and you're wanting more things, make sure, reach out to myself or Jonathan and say, Hey guys, can you cover XYZ more than happy? um you know how often you plan on this well we plan on uh, every other week type thing gives us time to plan um and get things going but uh we appreciate and it was nice to hear that people are like hey where's war dice and we're like
1: uh busy it's okay we missed you guys too
0: yeah we we, jonathan and i get to do this and it's just a ton of fun because we get to talk about things we're passionate about things that are having fun um type stuff, but make sure you also, you know, check out the games, get, you know, restrictions are finally lifting off pretty well. People are getting back in the game store. Go start playing in your game store. Go start hanging out. Um, I know some game stores have a policy that you have to rent the table and stuff, rent the table guys, um, get together and find out night nights that there are more people there. Um, the only way to build your meta is to show your game, yeah. um, and get people interested, and be very proactive about letting people come in. And when someone walks by, he's like, "Hey, you want to? You want to check this out? I got models. I got metal crack.
1: I yep. got uh, you
0: know, type thing." Because I, I really think Warcaster is a solid game, one of the best that Privateer Press has been putting out, uh, rules wise and gameplay wise, and also models. So make sure you, you pimp it.
1: Um, yep. and that's the best way to put it. One of my favorite questions to get, or probably my favorite question to get in the game story is what are you guys playing? Yes. There's, there, there's just so many branching opportunities that come out of that question where someone's just like, okay, it looks cool. You guys are having fun. Like I, I want to get in on this. Yes. Uh, cause more people, the better, um, the
0: bigger, you know, things come by. People can get to do a lot of cool things. People can have a lot of fun. um, but just you know 100% go to the game store choose some of these little fun scenarios that you would never play that are whatever and like this if you find something that's wrong with it and I'm not saying wrong but it could be better write it in uh mm-hmm. press is always willing to take feedback on their stuff um of course word it correctly you know don't don't be a <laughs> douche yeah type thing um but we plan on doing more content, plan on getting some more stuff. Um, are we going to see another
1: Jericho Reach? We will see another Jericho Reach, probably not till late this year after I get settled in Alaska, though. Okay. But we do have a ton of Warcaster content, and I'm, on, I'm really honored to be part of the design team for it. So keep your eyes open. There is a lot more coming. Yeah. There is a ton of stuff coming. It's just
0: business, business, business. Yeah. A lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, if you're coming to AdeptCon, um, look out and say hi to me. I always love to talk to people that listen. It's always a challenge. Um, I might have some prizes that if you come up and say, hey, I listen to War Dice. Here it is. Or I listen to More Than Dice because that's my other podcast. Um, I might have a little bit of swag for somebody, but don't know your chance. <laughs> I always usually give stuff away. I always have swag stuff in my bag and I just give it away. I'm like, oh, here you go.
1: Here you go. Here you go. It's actually really impressive. He's got like Mary Poppins pockets. It's amazing.
0: <laughs> I always try to give things out. And and, and it's and it's nice because, like I says, there was one time I went to Adepticon and I'm standing in line just talking to my friends and this lady behind me and goes, she goes, I recognize your voice. And I'm like, really? She's like, do you do podcasts? And I says, I do. Because wait a minute you're Gonzo from More Than Dice. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, I listen to you. And then there is nothing cooler than hearing from a fan in saying that they listen to us. So don't ever think that you can't come up to somebody and say, hey, I listen to you and I enjoy your stuff because it gives them a boost and provides more content and give more stuff out. So uh, always do that. Um, Of course, Jonathan's more prevalent on the social medias. You know, (laughs) the 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 whatchamacallit uh, discords i'm not much of a discord person yes if you haven't
1: joined the warcast discord we are very active on there trading all sorts of stuff yeah
0: and there's actually some uh new podcasts and new uh community people have come out um that since we started we've actually people have been encouraged to do their own stuff uh do you know of any of the ones that have been um that you want to shout out
1: yes huge huge shout out to uh arcane synthesis yes so it's sort of a blog it's a series of articles uh you can find them on the warcaster facebook page you can find them on the warcaster discord it's like different creators i've done a couple things for them just all sorts of different topics and different perspective it's a really cool series which is good because we encourage people
0: to bring anything out this is not a competition this is not about a popularity this is about you're bringing something cool out we'll give you a shout out we'll do something because anything that makes the community better is better for everybody. Yep. So, and if you want us to shout out to people or if you want to come on, Jonathan and I are always welcome to special guests. I mean, there's not a problem with that. You just got to figure out a schedule and you want to come (laughs) in and talk about stuff. We are more than happy to. So, yeah, I think that's the show. That's about it. We missed you guys. We're glad to be back. Uh, for War Dice and More Than Dice, I'm Gonzo.
1: And I'm John for War Budgies. Let's play that beautiful music.